Well, here's what we read in the first chapter of Matthew, verses 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. What a wonderful story. It is what this season is all about. It is it is what we celebrate, what a wonderful story, what a wonderful event, what wonderful truth. There is so much that we can talk about from this passage. One of the things that strikes me every time I read this passage is just how real the Bible is, how open and honest about life and, and how people respond to things. Uh, many things we could talk about from this passage. The willingness of Joseph. Uh, to cooperate with God's plans. I've uh, preached Christmas messages on that before. What, what amazing willingness on Joseph's part. What a sacrificial thing on Joseph's part to accept the story of a virgin conceiving and to cooperate with God's plan. The miracle of the virgin birth reminds us once again that nothing is impossible with God. God can do anything. The realization that this event was the fulfillment of prophecies given hundreds of years earlier assures us that God always keeps his promises. It may take some time, it might take hundreds of years, but if God says he's going to do something, you can count on it, God is going to do it. And of course, there is this great truth of Christmas, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The great truth of Christmas, the one born in Bethlehem's manger is more than a great teacher, though he is that. He's more than just another human prophet sent by God. The one born in Bethlehem's manger was and is God. Christmas is about God coming to be with us. The Son left the splendor and glory of heaven to come and walk among us, to be with us, and amazingly, to become one of us. Why did he do it? If you think about the sacrifice that Christ made to, to leave the splendor and glory of heaven, to take on human flesh, and to come and, and be one of us, it's an amazing sacrifice. And, and it should cause us to say, why? Why would he do that? You can find a lot of different answers to 
that question. Some people will tell you he didn't actually do that. They believe it's just a myth, a nice story that serves as a good excuse for cultural traditions like decorating trees and giving gifts and getting a little time off work. Some are a little more agnostic about it. They say, well, maybe he did it, maybe he didn't, we're not sure, but either way, the story can at least inspire us to be kind to each other. Some believe that Jesus was sent by God, whether he was actually God himself or not, they don't really think that matters that much, because either way, he was sent by God simply to teach a message of love and acceptance of all people. But the scripture is clear. The one born in Bethlehem's manger was and is God. And we do not have to speculate as to why he came. Jesus told us himself repeatedly throughout his earthly ministry why it is that he came. Jesus told us in his own words why he took on flesh, why he condescended to be born of a woman. He told us plainly, he told us over and over again the reasons for his coming. In fact, as you read through the New Testament, you can find a couple dozen statements or so by Jesus himself that tell us why he came in his very own words. And today I want to briefly highlight about six or seven of the statements Jesus made where he explained why he came. Six or seven reasons that represent central, uh, six or seven statements that represent central reasons for his coming. Central reasons why God became one of us. And and I want to just draw a lot of attention to this, put a spotlight on this. These are all statements made by Jesus himself. In his own words, he's telling us why he came to earth, why he was born in Bethlehem's manger. And so I've titled today's message, Jesus Explains Christmas. 33 years after the event that we uh, celebrate around Christmas, the, the incarnation, 33 years after that, approximately, Jesus stood before uh, the, the Roman um, governor Pontius Pilate, And during Jesus' interrogation by Pilate that led up to his crucifixion, Jesus said this in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest, but now my kingdom is from another place. And and Pilate exclaimed in verse 37, you are a king then. In verse 37, in verse 37, Uh, it tells us that Jesus answered Pilate this way. He said, you are right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this very reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world, and then he gives us the answer, to testify to the truth. Here's why I came. Here's why I was born of a woman, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. In this verse, Jesus confirms his kingship and he gives the reason for his coming. He came to testify to the truth. What's the truth that Jesus came to testify to? Quite simply, 
It's everything that Jesus said, everything that he taught. It's everything that he said about God. It's everything he said about himself. It's everything he said about mankind and salvation. Jesus came to testify to the truth that the kingdom of God has come near. And so people need to repent. He said that in Matthew 4. He came to testify to the truth that it's the wise person who builds their life on him and his teachings, and it's the foolish person who does not. He said that in Matthew 7. He came to testify to the truth that unless people receive the kingdom of God as little children, they are not going to be able to enter the kingdom. He said that in Mark 10. He came to testify to the truth that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. And that the second greatest commandment is similar to the first one. It is to love your neighbor as yourself. He came to testify to the truth that it is the wide path that leads to destruction, but it is a small gate and it's a narrow road that leads to eternal life. He said that in Matthew 7. He came to testify to the truth that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again. He testified to that truth in John 3. He came to testify to the truth that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life and he will raise them up at the last day. If you die before Jesus returns and, and you received him as Savior and Lord, he promises you, he testifies to this truth that you will be raised up on the last day. John 6. He came to testify to the truth that no one comes to God no one has a relationship with God unless they come through him. He is the door. He is the gate. He is the narrow road. Unless you come through Jesus, you cannot have a relationship with God. And he testified to this truth in John 14. We could go on and on. Jesus came to tell the world the truth about God about themselves, about salvation. That's the reason he was born. He tells us that's the reason he was born, to testify to the truth. And so if you want to experience the true meaning of Christmas, you have to immerse yourself in the teachings of Jesus. He did not come to just give a nice little story to use an excuse for a fun cultural celebration. He came to tell us the truth. He came to reveal the truth to us. Christmas, according to Jesus, is about truth-telling. It's about truth-telling. Jesus coming to speak the truth directly to us. God putting on skin so that we could relate to him better, God with skin on, telling us the truth, because truth matters. Truth matters. And that's why Christians can never be haphazard about truth. It's why we can never subordinate truth to some misguided idea that love renders truth unimportant. Christmas is God becoming one of us to tell us the truth. 
Here's a reason Jesus gives for Christmas that doesn't get much attention today. In John 9, 39, Jesus said this, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. That's a good one for your refrigerator. For judgment I've come into the world. Blind are going to see, but people with sight, those people are going to become blind. That's why I came. Oh, we love to, to quote John 3.17, and it's true. For Jesus said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. But we don't really like hearing Jesus say, for judgment I have come into this world. But according to Jesus, that is why he came, for judgment. What's it mean? Surely Jesus doesn't actually mean that. How, how does that square with everything else we know about Jesus? Let me assure you that Jesus does mean that. You say, but Brian, that conflicts with John 3. It really doesn't. You see, Jesus did not come to condemn the world because the world is already condemned. He came to save those who recognize that they are rightly condemned and who turn to him in faith. But of the condemned... Those who fail to recognize it in spite of all of God's best efforts to get them to see the truth. And those who fail to turn to him. In those cases, the coming of Jesus seals people's condemnation. It seals the judgment against them. When God himself comes to you, and you still don't embrace the truth about yourself, it seals your judgment. Jesus says the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. The coming of Christ and the preaching of the gospel have two effects. Those who admit they are in spiritual need and rightly condemned and need a Savior, those who admit that, they are given sight but those who insist they are not in need, those who say, I don't need a Savior, I'm fine just like I am, those are confirmed in their blindness. They are confirmed in their condemnation. Their judgment is confirmed. Jesus came to save, yes, but his coming also has the effect of confirming the judgment on those who refuse to turn to him in faith. If you're here today and you've never admitted your sin, if you've not yet agreed with God that you stand in need of a Savior, I appeal to you today, admit the truth about yourself. You do need a Savior. Admit that truth. You are a sinner. Admit that truth about yourself. And turn to Christ in faith. It is a tragic thing 
to have God himself condescend and come to earth. Have Jesus come to earth for you, but you reject him and seal your fate. Don't do that. I appeal to you to turn to Jesus in faith. The third thing we see that Jesus, uh, the third reason Jesus gives us for why he came is found in John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Here's a temptation that we all face. It is the temptation to believe that if we're really going to get the best experience out of life, we have to live life on our own terms. Pretty much the entire culture is set up to tell you that. If you're going to enjoy life, you got to do life on your own terms. But can I submit to you today that that is the way of Satan? Throwing off God's rule of our lives, living on our own terms, that's the way of Satan. And Satan isn't trying to give you the best experience of life. Satan, the thief, is out to damage you, to steal from you, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said that he came that we might have life and have it to the full. When we turn to Christ in faith, we receive eternal life. And after we're saved and after we receive eternal life, we still have, in most cases, a lot of time, a lot of life to live. And the truth is that human beings experience various degrees of joy in this life. Human beings have different experiences of how much enjoyment they get out of this precious gift called life. Jesus came and then sent the Holy Spirit to enhance our experience of life. The more that we yield to him, the more that we take on his thoughts and his priorities, the more we can enjoy this gift of life that has been given to us. And I, and I don't mean this in a we never have any kind of troubles, we never have troubles kind of way, but when we, when we cooperate with God in this way, what happens is we get to a place where we live life in an even though life is really hard, I can still enjoy it and appreciate it kind of a way. Even though there are challenges that come my way, I still find enjoyment in this precious gift that God has given me. And so God has given those who have trusted in Jesus eternal life, but he wants to go beyond that and he wants to enhance your experience of life now. Our lives now are a precious gift from God. Not just eternal life, but life now is a precious gift. And so Jesus was born so that your life could be an abundant life both now and forever. And so these things we've seen are Jesus explaining Christmas to us in his own words. He says that he came to testify to the truth. He says that he came for judgment. He says that he came so that we could have life and have it to the full. All of these are reasons for Christmas, according to Jesus, from the mouth of Jesus. 
And then in Luke 19.10, again in his own words, Jesus gives us the central truth of Christmas. He gives us the central reason for his coming. All of the reasons Jesus came point to and revolve around this reason. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. What was lost was mankind. What was lost was all of creation. Romans 1 lets us know that the entire creation is in need of redemption. Jesus came to earth to reclaim everything that the enemy has damaged. He came to reclaim mankind. He came to reclaim the entire created uh, order because everything is fallen. Jesus is not only concerned about people. He's concerned about the entire universe. Everything stands in need and, and eagerly awaiting redemption. But Jesus constantly emphasized his seeking and saving of lost people. He cares about everything. He cares about the natural order. He, he, he cares about all of creation. But he constantly emphasized his seeking and saving of lost people. And here's what Jesus said in Luke 5, 32 about why he came, what Christmas means. He said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He's come to seek and save the lost. He's come to call sinners to repentance. Again, he makes the point that those who think they're righteous won't repent, but it's those, but it's those who recognize their sinfulness that are primed for repentance. Apart from Jesus Christ, everyone here today is among the sinful. The important question, the all-important question, is whether or not you'll recognize it and heed Christ's call to repentance. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to call sinners to repentance. And then Jesus said in Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and listen to this, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And now, he's letting us know what it's going to take for us to be received by God when we repent. It's going to take Jesus giving his life as a ransom. It took Jesus' death to satisfy God's righteous demands against sin. Without the death and resurrection of Christ, every person here today would be totally without hope, separated from God forever. Jesus was born in Bethlehem's manger in order to die for the sins of the world, to satisfy God's righteous demands against sin. And to secure for us the ability to turn away from sin, to turn back to God, and to be received by God 
through faith in Jesus' death and resurrection. This is why he came. And then in John 12, 27, we see Jesus, having lived a sinless life, having testified to the truth, he's now facing the moment for which he was born. He's quickly approaching the hour of his death. He's letting his disciples know what is soon to happen. And he says the following, explaining Christmas, explaining why he came. He said, now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Save me from this sacrifice that I have to make. And then he answers the question, no. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. I think I say this almost every year, and it's because it's almost all I can think about every Christmas. I cannot think of Jesus the baby in the manger without having my mind fast forward 33 years in time when this same Jesus is hanging on a Roman cross, beaten and battered, hands and feet pierced by nails, a crown of thorns buried deep into his head, his bloody uh, back scraping against a rugged cross, his life slipping away from him for me and for you. I cannot think of Jesus in the manger without also thinking of the image of Jesus on the cross because it's why he came. He says so in his own words. He came to die for our sins. He came to seek and to save the lost. John Piper a famous pastor and theologian shared these words regarding the incarnation of Jesus. He wrote, The incarnation is the preparation of nerve endings for the nails. The incarnation, Jesus being born as a little baby, Jesus nine months in his mother's womb, the incarnation is the preparation of a brow for thorns to press through. He needed to have a broad back so that there would be a place for the whip. He needed to have feet so that there was a place for spikes. This is why God became one of us. He needed to have a side so that there was a place for the sword to go in. He needed cheeks so that Jesus would have a, uh, I'm sorry, Judas would have a place to kiss and there would be a place for the spit to run down that the soldier spit upon him. He needed a brain and a spinal column so that the exquisiteness of the pain could be fully felt for you, for me. It's unfashionable today to talk about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. Many, including many who claim to be Christians, are somewhat embarrassed by the story. They think a God of love couldn't possibly demand the sacrifice of Jesus, death on a cross. But friends, it really doesn't matter what critics think. They cannot change what is true. Jesus said it was for this very reason that he came. 
to die for your sins and mine. You do not understand Christmas if you confine your thinking to a baby born in Bethlehem's manger. You only understand Christmas if you move forward from the manger to the cross. Because central to Christmas, according to Jesus, is his death on the cross for you, for me, and for the glory of God. So I plead with you today to learn the meaning of Christmas from the words of Jesus. Don't confine Jesus to eternal infancy. That is what the world has done. See him as he really is. The one who died for your sins so that you could be reconciled to God. And if you haven't already done it, turn to him in faith, receiving him as your Savior and your Lord. Jesus told us what Christmas is all about. He told us why he came. And here's some good news for us. He also told us that he is coming again. Here's what he said in John 14, 1 through 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. We know why Jesus came. He came to save us, and we know why he's coming again. He's coming to receive all who trust in him into their eternal reward. He told us why he came, and he told us why he's coming again. Jesus explained Christmas in clear and specific detail. Everything we've seen today in the Bible is an explanation of Christmas from the words of Jesus. How should we respond to this? We should respond by embracing the truths that Jesus testified to. We should respond by recognizing our spiritual need. We should respond by truly believing that meaningful, fulfilling life is found only in Jesus Christ. We should respond by admitting that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We should respond by repenting, turning away from our sin, and turning toward God so that we can be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus who gave his life as a ransom for us. And we should respond by looking forward to that day when Christ comes again And praying with all of the saints who have lived throughout all of the ages, that wonderful prayer, come quickly, Lord Jesus. This is what Christmas is all about in the words of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our King, and in the words of Matthew, Emmanuel, our God, God with us. Let's stand.